Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the BNVR Avalanche podcast. We got four people who watched a lot of hockey today on the show. So that's exciting. It's the middle of July and we got to watch a lot of hockey. We'll get to all of that development camp later in the show. Hey, exciting isn't the word I would have used, Rudo. I mean, there were some exciting things that happened. It's, it's Calling it hockey might be a stretch, but, you know, stuff happened on ice. That's kind of hockey. Kind of counts. Uh, off the ice, though, two moves that were extremely predictable to the point of we literally told you they were going to happen before they happened. Uh, the Avs bring back both Andrew Cogliano and Jack Johnson on one-year deals. Uh, neither of them too costly. Cogliano was was at 825, or was it? Yeah, it was 825. Yeah. And then Jack Johnson at 775. So, Nothing major, but that does help round out their roster. First of all, is Andrew Cogliano going to be ready to play? Yeah. Yeah, I I feel fairly confident in that, yeah. The recovery time from whatever he was wasn't actually super long. When he never he never went into a brace or anything like that, like even from that those next few days, like he was walking around, he was definitely – doing a lot of shoulder turning but like <laughs> he's fine i had people who knew a lot more about the nature of this injury reach out to me to tell me the medical reasons why the recovery wasn't as grueling as you think it would be all right well i'm down just you hear a broken neck and you don't yeah feel great about Doesn't it sound yeah. good. <laughs> sounds bad uh you take it where you can get it on, on positives injury-wise there. With Cogliano back, there is realistically one forward spot left, which we will talk about in a little bit. First, Jack Johnson on the defensive side fills out the Avs' top six defense if they want it to. Do you think this is it? Do you think Jack Johnson is the last move they make on defense, or do you think they'll maybe look to turn him into a number seven? I think they'll make another move because if you don't move him to your number seven, who's your number seven? A call up. Yeah, which which they've shown a lot of willingness to make him the number seven the last two years. They haven't, is the joke. I know. I it's like we aren't saying we're advocates for Brad Hunt at number seven. It's just even Chris McFarland in bringing up Malinsky said, "Don't forget Brad Hunt exists." So. Like Brad Brad Hunt is also going to be in that conversation. Um, if they make him part of the leadership group in Loveland, I wonder if they're a little bit more inclined to keep him after what happened last year. If they're a little more inclined to just be like, "Hey, are, can we don't we, spite we, claim our guys, yeah, like, please? Like we named <laughs> leaders for this team. Can we have them be on this team, right. please?" Give Keaton Middleton the C. If that'll keep him there, I mean, <laughs> he. I mean, you give. I give Keaton Middleton a lot of shit, but you have to give him a lot of credit. His game has taken a pretty substantial step forward in the last couple of seasons. It's right in alignment with England's game taking a step forward because they both profiled as such similar players even in terms of how they've each improved and have become so much more reliable for their teams. And Graves before that, like 
They're, yep. they're taking these like 25 year old guys who haven't worked out elsewhere and starting to churn NHLers out of them, and it's like, what's happening here? <clears throat> Magic development. It's crazy. Yeah, and Sam Malinsky's, I guess, next in line for that. You know, he's he's starting out his pro career at 24, so okay. hopefully it doesn't take very long. So Jesse answered the question. Do you guys think that they will make another move on defense, or do you think they will run into the season this way? I think they're running this way, because I think once they figure out Myers, once we hear the Russ Colton number, I feel like they're going to pursue another forward option. And I mean, if I, if I had more money, like if they've got more creative with the money, I would encourage them to pursue a defensive option there instead. But that's just what my hunch is presently. Okay. Yeah, so you're comfortable I, with Jack Johnson as a every night D? Oh um, yeah. Bottom period. Yeah. Are you com- really? Yeah. As comfortable as I was with Eric Johnson. Perhaps right, who we all said they needed to move on from. <laughs> no, perhaps more comfortable. I thought Jack Johnson with the abs actually in this shortened window was even better. If, if EJ was I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. 775K, I don't think I'd have had a problem with it. I I agree with all of the things that just got said about Jack Johnson. <laughs> I agree with I agree, I agree with Megan. I don't think that they're going to make another move uh, unless – Unless one just kind of sits there all summer, right? If an Ethan Bear type of guy sits there all summer long. Another guy that you can throw 800K at, yeah. Exactly. A guy that would be willing to take that kind of deal. Um, I I would be totally fine with this group that they're running with right now. Because this is also the kind of group that you say, we're open to the idea of Sam Malinsky taking a job here. We're not married to Jack Johnson in this spot. We're open to seeing what a Sam Malinsky can do. We're open. It's not just Sam Malinsky. We're open to seeing what Gianni Fairbrother can do, who's healthy and who's a couple of years into his pro career and plays the left side and plays a hard-nosed, tough style that they're going to want out of that spot, which is kind of the opposite of Sam Malinsky. Like, there, I think I think Jack Johnson being that guy on opening night says we're comfortable here. This is fine. This is really low end for this. We would like to get this to be better as the year goes on, but we wonder if that better might be able to come internally as well. And if you go out and spend $2 million on a guy right now, you kind of cut off any avenue of that potentially ever happening. I don't know that there is a guy right now that they view as even likely for that. But if they if they don't see a fit right there, they can kind of wait it out. Like, this is fine. If you start to get three or four injuries deep into it, yeah, you're going to have a serious problem. So, you know. That, I, that's I, my thing. I just, I just don't think that they have enough depth to be done there. Yeah, I, I would agree, but... Um, if this is where if this is where they're taking their chance on shorting the roster is on seventh and eighth D, I would prefer for them to use the remaining money to try to go after another forward or two, over getting another defender, is, at the at the moment. So is this a if we need to we can solve it at the trade deadline situation? Yeah, I mean. Isn't this exactly what every cup contender does when they get to the deadline? They go, oh, our third pairing is not quite what we want it to be. And they go out and they get a guy. It's like classic like cup contender shit. Like, you can already see them going and getting Brendan Dillon off of Winnipeg if the Jets aren't a playoff team for 50% retained in a second or third round pick at the deadline. Like, it's like, or Dylan DeMello, like, like. It feels inevitable, right? Like those are the exact archetypes that get moved every deadline to contenders who are like, "Hey, we're nibbling at this part of the roster." I just don't think they're going to wait that long with the injury issues they had last year. Comment just flashed across the screen. You miss so much time with Josh Manson. Jack Johnson's a little bit older. I, I, I just don't think they're going to roll the dice uh, going into the season. I think they're going to add another guy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even if it's an Andreas Anglin caliber guy, 
someone that doesn't need to play a role with the Eagles that they can just kind of have hang around. I just don't think they're going to wait until the trade deadline. What you're saying may still be true. They may do the Josh Manson thing where they go and add a guy like that to slide a guy down. I just, I just can't imagine they're looking at the six they have right now with McDermott as a seven saying, yeah, we're good on this until March. May not be March. I mean, it could be anytime. Before I mean, you, I mean, you were, you were just saying it's a deadline. Yeah, yeah. and I'm just seeing that as the just have a perfect Calgary season where you have 60 <laughs> man games lost across the whole hey. roster. <laughs> if that happens, <laughs> yeah, all bets are off. Uh, I I do want to get into this conversation about the forwards on the Abs too, and kind of the options they chose not to go with. But before we do. We are brought to you by Bird Dogs. Jesse, I know you were saying you own a couple of pairs from them. Super comfortable, right? So here's what I like about them. They're really comfortable, and I have uh, have a couple different pairs. I have one pair that is definitely a little bit, like, louder and crazy uh, that I was actually wearing in Nashville. Uh, Crazy. We're out on Broadway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, But then I do have another pair that, like, they look like like nice shorts, you know what I mean? Like they're they're very much comfortable. You got the liner in there and all stuff, but they look like they're nice, like kind of not that there's business casual shorts, but you know, you wear them on the golf course, things like that. They look nice. They're super comfortable. Uh Hannah really likes them when I wear them because she's into the 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 lighter color shorts and all that stuff. They got a bunch of fun colors, uh, they got all different lengths. Uh, like I got some that are a little bit shorter, but you can get them in, in longer. I actually have a pair of their pants, um, which are like a slacks style pant. They're super comfortable. You guys know, I hate dress clothes. So anytime I can find something that's comfortable and looks nice and all that stuff, uh, I'm all about it. So, uh, really, I, I mean, I, I don't have a ton of their stuff. I have a handful of their shorts and pants and stuff, and I love everything I have from there. So this, I was super excited, uh, when I saw this, uh, partner come through because, I've had bird dogs for a few years, big fan of them. Uh, and I'm excited that we're going to get to have a nice little partnership with them because they're great, look great, feel great. Uh, and they also have a bunch of stuff that is like swimwear slash casual wear. So you can go from the pool to out to brunch and you don't look like you're wearing a swimsuit out. It's great. Boom. Just like that. Uh, the way I've heard it described is that bird dogs do the exact same thing that Lululemon does, but they actually fit. Okay, so. so I I didn't I didn't want to like name drop another company <laughs> while I was doing that, but I was gonna say they're very similar to Lululemon things like that, uh, which I also have short. But yeah, I, that's a there's a reason why I went with some bird dogs because I that's the type of stuff that I wear. Uh, but yes, I would say very comparable to Lululemon. A little bit more fun. They all have the liner. Uh, you know, some some much wider ranging color choices. But uh, yeah, no, they're great. Great comparable. Go check them out at birddogs.com slash DNVR or go there and enter the DNVR promo code to get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash DNVR or use the DNVR promo code. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise. Also brought to you by the people over at Kind Love. Boy, I tell you, after day one of Deb Camp, I could use a turbo joint from Kind Love. Something to just take my mind off the universe. Look at that. After got Dev, one Dev Camp. <laughs> Bam. I need to bring that to Dev Camp tomorrow. I, do, I, I need <laughs> to stay awake through Dev Camp. I can't smoke <laughs> one before Dev Camp, all right? That's not <laughs> happening. Uh, kind Love has uh, tons of amazing products, whether it be the turbo joints you mentioned, flower, vape, you name it. They've got you covered. They've been around since 2010, one of the oldest dispensaries in Colorado. So they know what they're doing and their product is farm to dispensary all the way through. They grow their own stuff and then they sell it to you. Uh, their turbo core joints are the perfect thing. They're a little hundred milligram toothpick looking thing that you can just stick in anything, a joint, a cigarette. If you're a, 18 year old teenager still in high school you could put it in a prime time uh not if you're 18 you have to be 21 you have to be 21 yeah, yeah. Yep. I, yep. kids <laughs> yep <laughs> yes kids that is correct <laughs> i definitely never no kids in high school nah, no nope, kids allowed mean. uh okay yeah do do your drugs legally obviously uh but kind love great at what they do 
If you've never <laughs> been, <Drugs legally. laughs> go check That's them out. A, not bad advice. No, it's <laughs> wonderful life advice. <laughs> Don't break uh, the law. Don't drug traffic. I will say it's a lot easier once you turn 21 these days. You can go to Kind Love. That's an option for you. So you should go do it today. Uh, they have locations in Cherry Creek, Cherry Creek, excuse me, or North Denver. Mentioned this DNVR. is going great. I know. I smoke too much kind love, so I'm struggling through it. Uh, you get an exclusive discount with mentioning DNVR at the store for 25% off all of their non-marked-down products. You can also visit kindlove.com for their full extensive menu and online ordering. Okay, so the forward conversation. We talked about Wood and Druin yesterday, but with everything shaking out as it did, the obvious comparison everyone is making is they got Miles Wood, 2.5 AAV for six years. They don't get Evan Rodriguez, $3 million for four years. He goes to Florida. Two questions here. One, do you think the Avs had that offer on the table for Erod? And two, if you had to pick, would you have rather had Erod or Wood? Well, it's hard to say that right now because we we know what Evan Rodriguez is. So, like, the, the knee jerk is, like, Evan Rodriguez. But we just don't for, – for me, it's, we don't know enough of how Miles Wood is going to fit here. Um, you know, we talked to him today. He seems excited to be here. He said that he went out into the market looking for term, specifically called out the fact that there was a bunch of um, – one and two year deals handed out yesterday. And so he was grateful to, to get what he was looking for, which was term. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's all, all reserve judgment on the Erod versus wood conversation here for a while, just cause we don't know. I really struggle with it because I think people see more upside in wood than they do Rodriguez and they point to consistency as what they didn't like about Rodriguez in Colorado. And I struggle with it because though that was true at times, there are also points in the season where he was the only player capable of finishing. And I find the, the time period they're pointing to is likely like in the Seattle series, wherein a lot of players didn't show up in important moments who weren't named Nathan McKinnon. And I struggle with that then being how Evan Rodriguez's time in Colorado is remembered because I actually thought, he he did what he was supposed to do well like especially what he was brought on to do the role he was supposed to play was meant to be this versatile player who could play at different points in the lineup it became a necessity too and one that i thought he filled very well so i would have liked to see evan rodriguez stay in colorado and i don't know any better that miles wood is going to be more consistent than what evan rodriguez was but i think with miles wood just being a little bit younger i can talk myself into the fit there especially from the physicality side of things not that this was an area that was totally lacking in Rodriguez's game but I think it's going to be more present especially the net front presence in Miles Wood's game and without a Landeskog it's going to be important to have a player like that I can see the fit for sure I just I really did like Evan Rodriguez in Colorado all right yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment of it. Um, for me, Evan Rodriguez is a significantly better player um, all around. Um, all this talk about how he didn't show up at the time uh, in the big moments of the season is absolutely retconning history. It's total garbage. He had points in five of the seven games in that series against Seattle. The guy that you're pointing your ire to is JT Comfort, not Evan Rodriguez. 100%. He was the one who ghosted in that series, and Erod was actually pretty present uh, and was all over the place significantly more often. Um, had a much better postseason series than JT Comfort did. And uh, I, I had no – I mean, like the first half, second half thing – for two years in a row happened. And so it is like a concern there, but his postseason series was rock solid. Uh, and he's a significantly more versatile player than miles. Wood is who's going to play on your third line and on your left wing. And Evan Rodriguez can play in all three forward spots anywhere in your top nine. If you needed him to, 
obviously, if he's your 1C, something horrible has happened. But he's got the versatility to do that. And I think that's what made him a more valuable player, honestly, is that he was just he was just all over the place in the lineup. And I think he would have been appreciated a lot more properly had he gotten to actually settle down into one job for an extended period of time instead of being – he kind of, while JT Comfort was on the roster, he kind of replaced JT as the Swiss Army Knife, Mr. Fix-It, like the guy that you just filled into your lineup spot. Um, especially because abs fans is, uh, I'd be one about abs fans aren't overly familiar with miles wood and all the things that are going to drive them crazy about his game. Uh, a lot, a lot of bad penalties and a lot of, a lot of silly turnovers where he just kind of runs him into bad situations. Uh, what he is going to bring them is consistency in a role in a specific role that they can build around for the next six years still a little silly that it got to that point but it is what it is and at two and a half million dollars it's not very hard uh it's not very hard to live up to that kind of contract just numbers wise if he puts up 20 you know 25 points 12-ish goals per year you've gotten your money's worth that's not a very high bar for him to clear every single season and with his physicality with his speed uh he will fit into the way that the avalanche want to play the game he is very mistake-prone. He is very penalty-prone. Uh, and I think Avs fans are going to get very frustrated by that over the course of his time in Colorado. But he, I also think he could easily be a fan favorite because he's just going to be... Uh, he's he's going to be very uh, similar to LOC in that he's got a lot of crash test dummy in him where he'll just, he'll just, he'll just go and throw his body at stuff. I mean, dude, he mentioned that he's a hard-nosed player like 50 times on that call today. Yeah, I mean, he is. And and that's yeah. that's been one of the big things that we've talked about, this remade third line of Colorado's at the moment that's still missing a guy. But when you look at Miles Wood and Ross Colton and putting them together, the one thing that you did is you upped the physicality, you upped the forechecking, and you upped the, the general competitive level that they're going to play at while also having an element of skill instead of last year when yep. Cogliano and LOC were your essential third line for most of the season and <laughs> just didn't bring any offense. They they were physical and they played hard and you appreciated all that they were, <laughs> but they didn't score nearly enough, nearly consistently enough. And now you have a you have a third line that you think has a little at the moment has a little higher offensive ceiling than it did last year. I want. Uh, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say you mentioned the not grit. I, I don't want to use that word, but like that they, they got tougher in the middle of their lineup without sacrificing players that can contribute in other ways. Like we talk about that a lot on this show. You see teams get obsessed with that playoff experience, veteran leadership, and yeah. you end up you see teams end up bringing in players the. Uh, I, I actually think Toronto getting Ryan Reeves is a great example. Just Ryan Reeves in general. It's like, oh, they're tougher. It's like, yeah, when he's in the game for four minutes a night, 40 games a year, you know, it's just like you don't want to see teams give away roster spots for the sake of physicality Yeah, for players that don't do much else. Yeah. But that's, and I think the abs avoided that. Yeah. Like, if that's a player's best attribute, that's fine. But there has to be that can't be his only attribute, right? Right. And at right. this point, a guy like Ryan Reeves—that's all there is to his game. We've seen his on-ice effects are horrific. Mm -hmm. His teams get absolutely caved in, and that's why he plays like seven minutes a night. Is because he's a horrible hockey player at this point. He's being paid for other stuff. So I, I do want to talk about the Avs' open spot there and some of their options that they have. I threw out a tweet the other night about some potential names I wouldn't mind seeing there. At dev camp today, we were all talking about, is there a way the Avs could still finagle one of these bigger names left on the market at forward? Could they look? Could they find a way to, to pull a Tarasenko? Dude, I was watching just like someone had tweeted his, uh, like, Tarasenko's prime highlights, and I had that thought. I was Wait two weeks if he's still out there. I, my my only issue now is I don't know where he fits. 
I think that is a problem for Tarasenko for sure. I I I don't know that I would say it's a problem. I think it would have to it would require a little bit of creativity because you bring in Jonathan Duran with kind of a specific idea of like, hey, we really want to put him in the top six here and make this guy work. If Tarasenko's on your third line next to Wood and Colton, you don't have any playmaking. Like, yeah. Tarasenko has to create his own shot, otherwise he's not shooting pucks. Because the two guys that he's playing with aren't going to get it to him. But is there a way to put Duran and Tarasenko on a line together? I don't think that's a good idea, because they're both so bad defensively that you're a little bit nervous about having those guys flanking somebody. Now, Tarasenko next to uh, a Ryan Johansson and uh, like a Nachushkin on the other side, that would be great. But now what do you do with Jonathan Duran? It, it just becomes it just becomes kind of like a never-ending series of, of whack-a-mole there if you go get Tarasenko. Uh, with that being the, said, the, one, the you... one that's hard for me is Lekkanen. Like, he's just been so much better than what I think you thought he was going to be when he first got here that now it's like i'm not moving that guy away from nathan mckinnon at I mean, least no. not right now Here's not even thing. not even interested in it <laughs> right 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 if you're talking about going and getting someone like tarasenko for three million dollars because that's pretty much all the apps are going to have to go out and do something like this you're talking about a guy who had 50 points last year for three million dollars the year before that he was a 30 goal guy with 80 points yeah like, I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? If you if you did that, which this is a massive if, we're purely speculating here because Tarasenko is still out on the free agency market. Could you do something like Miko at center and drop Ryan Johansson to your third line and run Val Miko Tarasenko behind Lekkanen, McKinnon, Druen at least to start and see what you have, or is that just? You're getting is that like you're getting too fancy with it? Yeah, I think it defeats the purpose of going and getting Johansson and Cole. I don't disagree at all. Oh, yeah. I just, yeah, at that point, at that point, I think you now you're working too hard and you're creating a different right. problem, so right. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, and that's that's where, like, hey, if if Ryan Johansson's uh injury issues crop up again, like maybe that's that's your solution to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, assuming health in the start of training camp, there's almost just no, there's almost just no like obvious spot for it. And for the comments on the board right now about a contingency plan for Duren sucking, the the one thing I have been yeah. reiterating over and over and over again, Duren has not been a bad player. The issue with him in the last four years has been health. So if you want to have a contingency <laughs> well, plan for him not being healthy. We'll, like, call it avail- we'll call it availability. Yes. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, I think um, it qualifies as health, but sure. <clears throat> but I mean, like, I- I'm not worried about Jonathan Duran. If he's on the ice, I'm not worried about him being, like, a bad player for this team. I'm just worried about his availability. Jonathan Druin has been on a 40-point pace every season of his career. So, I, yeah. His defense is going to have to pick up um, sure. for Jared, for Jared Medrin to play him as a top-six player long-term. He's just going to have to get better. He's going to have to get more dedicated in that spot. Also, if you go and look at his career, before his entire life away from hockey completely fell apart, he was oh, he had moments where he was okay. Like, he had years where he was passable defensively. As long as he's just not, like, one of the league's worst defensive wings, it, it's fine. Like, you're it really – and at 825, we're seriously – the bar for that guy to clear to be worth his contract is in like, just outrageously low. Yeah, I agree with that. So, Megan, but no, we're to, when we talk, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask Megan if, if she thinks they can make it work with a bigger piece or if it's the reality is the ads probably need to target more of a real third line player with that last forward spot. I think it's more realistic and practical to target a third line player. And, and truthfully, too, depending on what they're looking at for that forward spot, it could leave more options for them to add another defensive piece if they're not targeting a big-name player. I wouldn't be opposed to it if they did. I just don't think it's realistic at this point in time with Colton and Myers to take care of as well. 
I'm not saying you called it in like February, but would everyone on this pod be happy with Danton Heinen if he signed today uh, in yes. Colorado? I'd be thrilled. 100%. You know, I know he'd be such a good cultural fit in Colorado. He might be one of the most dedicated hockey players I've ever known. The I think the other he's just he would be a great fit because he he could be kind of like a poor man's Evan Rodriguez in that he can fit into lots of little spaces in your lineup. He's not gonna he's not gonna be able to play at center for you, but you also just went and in, spent your whole offseason investing in the center position so that you're not necessarily looking for that. Um, but Dan Dan Heinen would be such just such a good fit that this is where he is. Like he can, he could, we could plug him into whatever, whatever thing uh, the abs need on that given day. A guy gets hurt, Dan Heinen is your answer. You know, I mean, if Nathan McKinnon gets hurt, then you just cry because that's the <laughs> only answer. But Dan Heinen is that kind of like lineup glue that, that they could really use right now. The one thing they could really use is one more good PK guy. Yeah. One more guy, and maybe a guy, and I, I, I keep bringing Tomas Nosek's names up, name up because he'd be a four C option, yeah. helps you on the PK, is speedy enough, he's physical Before enough. Before we get more into that. this conversation, we are brought to you by Volo Sports. Uh, you can play with Volo Sports, so the kids play free. That's the part of their whole thing. The fees you pay to play in their social leagues, a lot of that money goes towards kids playing in free sports camps in every Volo city, including here in Denver. Uh, the DNVR crew uh, is now doing a kickball league that's been like hailed out the past two weeks. So hopefully that stops happening. But uh, you can go play kickball with some of us. Uh, if you don't have a team, no big deal. You can sign up as a free agent. You can join the uh, Volo Pass, which is unlimited drop-ins and events every single month. So you can jump in with that. It's 10 bucks a month for the first three months if you want to get the beta trial version. And it's just 20 bucks a month after that. Or $200 a year if you want to go all the way in on it. They're all across the city. Lodo, Rhino, Uptown, City Park, Highlands, Sloan's Lake, Cherry Creek, DU, Inglewood, Arvada, Aurora, Northfield, and more than that. So... You can go check them out at volosports.com slash Denver today to get in on all of the fun. Come join one of the biggest social media and social sports companies in the U.S. Dev Camp has just fried my brain at this point. I'm, I'm melting live on camera. Also brought to you by Shady Rays, where you can go and get whatever pair of sunglasses suits your fancy. They've got tons of different designs. Head over to ShadyRays.com and use the DNVR code when you order two pairs or more, you get 50% off. They have tons of different colors, styles. They even have ski and snowboard goggles. And the best part is their amazing uh, replacement plan or just protection plan. You don't have to get them replaced. You can just refund them if you want. First 30 days, you break them, you lose them, or you just don't like them. Just send them back. They'll either replace them or refund you. So they're great at what they do. They've been given five stars by over 250,000 people. And they have an Independence Day sale going on. You got to get it in either today or tomorrow. Uh, and you get 50% off on a single pair. So you don't even have to get the uh, the two pairs with the DNVR code. Just 50% off any pair if you get it in on the 4th of July. Check them out, ShadyRays.com. Or if you're local, they have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall. All right. Back into this conversation. AJ. You're on the, the Noshik train as a potential 4C penalty killer option. Is that really where you dead set, or would you be willing to look no. at some of these third-line wingers that can also kill penalties? I brought up Pia Suter's name a lot. I know he's yeah. not very big, but he's very good defensively. Yeah, uh, Pia Suter, and uh, Suter is also a guy that could double as uh, uh, as your PK faceoff guy that we've kind of talked about. Yep. Not having an obvious answer to right now if they don't just drop Ross Colton into that job, um, which they could easily do. And this is all totally moot point. Um, Pia Suter is one of the names. Oscar Sundquist is another name. One of the guys that hasn't been mentioned very often that I would be curious about would be an Andreas Janssen on like a PTO. There. Um, yeah, assuming he's good yeah, to go. Yeah. Exactly. Something something like that I think would be um, uh, intriguing. 
we could be missing the obvious answer that LOC is the guy because we just have glued LOC and Cogliano together. <laughs> but LOC could easily be the guy there. Also, don't put it past this team. And I would also make this point for the Jack Johnson 6D conversation. They've claimed somebody like five years in a row That's off waivers. Waiver they are always it. hunting, especially early in the season. We see them taking advantage of the waiver wire and going out and saying, hey, we kind of like this guy. We think he can help us in, you know, whatever way. That's why that's where they got Dennis Morgan. I mean, that's that's a good point. Like this is a this is a team that has consistently utilized the waiver wire system uh, to fill out some of these exact I, holes in their roster. I, so if if they use today's roster, we go into training camp. They don't like any of the kids. They don't like their guys. They could easily just claim a dude during the preseason and be like, ah, well, that was the guy that we were waiting to go on waivers. Let me, the same way that they did with the Patrick Nemeth back in the day. Let me hijack your point really quickly here. Philip Zadina, any interest? Yes, for that exact mm-hmm. reason. He's probably mm-hmm. more expensive than I would like at 1.8 for a question mark. But I I just think that he plays the kind of game. You know, I, I was a little annoyed that they didn't make a more aggressive move at the deadline for a Jakob Vrana. You could kind of make up for it a little bit here. Go and get something like a guy like this. Uh, if he doesn't, if if he doesn't make it as far in the waiver order, uh, if all other teams claim him, so what? But put there's the no way this guy him. gets doesn't get claimed, right? I would say the thing 1.8 million for a fourth line player is pretty serious money. You're not wrong. It's also yeah. it's also got a second year attached, and as we've seen, teams don't want to put multiple years on guys, so I don't think it's an automatic claim. Yeah, no. Megan, Megan, how do you balance this? As they just mentioned all the claims the Avs made. On the other side, you have a Sam Malinsky option. Is there a certain point where these waiver claims start getting in the way of some of these prospects? Like, because they're too interested in looking at the waiver wire? Right. Uh, I mean, if, if last year showed me anything, there is a willingness to give some of these younger players in the farm system a chance even with waivers, because even though Dennis Malgan happens, we saw a foodie debut. He gets in nine NHL games. And so I have more confidence in the organization now than I did before that players will see opportunity at the defenseman position. It's a bigger question mark to me because I feel like we've seen fewer young prospect types get that opportunity. It has been the Brad Hunt type, even just to see Andres England get a chance last year was a bit surprising. So I'm not sure for like Malinsky specifically how comfortable they will be with getting him in games for this reason. I do feel like they shelter that position just a little bit more. Even when we saw the Justin Barron debut, it it was under dire circumstances. But I look at some of the balance being what they have to do with players that they are sending through waivers because they lost Lucas Sedlak in this same way at the start of... And that's where I really see the balance coming into play is making some hard decisions coming out of camp about who it is that they want to keep perhaps based around this. And so this could mean then some of these younger players, because uh, they trade, can... them, trade them all. No, don't and get Danton Heinen. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, but like, especially some of the players who have waiver exemption um, that can get up and down more easily. I see that being, somewhat of an advantage to their opportunities but it might come at the expense of some of these older players like i'm trying to think of who it would be it would be like a chris wagner type that they might be hanging on to coming out of camp with this sort of thing in mind but i i'm not sure how much it'll really interfere with opportunity the guy the guy that we've kind of forgotten about already uh they traded for him Olufsen. and signed him. Yeah, I was gonna but say. But Frederick Frederick Olofsson is a he's a he's got both wing versatility, um, and he's not uh, he has to clear waivers. So if they really liked him and they really wanted to make sure that he got a shot at the start of the year, LOC is the answer on that third line. And Olofsson, Cogliano, and Myers is your fourth line, and we're just not accepting that right now. Like that, they they could easily be done. That roster is finished. Um. And you know, you again, you could. That would surprise that. me. That would surprise it would, me. It would surprise me too. But also having 
a couple million dollars of flexibility to go into the season with, you know, and, and then them being able to consistently accrue all season long would be nice because it makes the deadline easier. It opens up uh, an option for a $9 million player or some shit. If one of them is going to get traded and you're trying to half a salary, you know, like what, like whatever uh, Mm. scenario you want to envision. It just, it's added flexibility. If you don't like, there's nothing that says they have to spend all that money right now. You can use it later on, especially because we're talking like a million or two here, like between one and 3 million somewhere, not knowing what Colton's final number is and not knowing what Myers's number is. But having a rough idea, we can we can kind of look at it and say, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I I would say, look, uh, it's funny. Chat chat is uh, Logan O'Connor's not a third liner, but we're gonna put Danton Hine in there. Which guy had more points last year? So we'll see. Hine had a tough year last year. I also wonder if it puts him in a worse Evan Rodriguez last year territory where he is someone that the Avs don't need to make any urgent decisions around if they are interested in him because he would still be available and perhaps for a team-friendly, affordable number later and closer to the start of the season. It definitely feels like the Avs are biding their time here with saying, hey, this is our offer. Come back to us when you're ready. Who they have offers out on, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, one last thing I wanted to touch on, and then we'll get into the dev camp from today. This is a Colorado team that just watched their top players drag its corpse to the playoffs, winning the Central Division. Graphic way to put it, but yeah. <laughs> Unnecessarily graphic, too. He could have just said they saw their top players drag them to the playoffs. Dragging their bloody dead corpse. Okay, that's that, is that not an accurate description of last year, though? Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to say it. My point being, I think they're pretty comfortable with being able to get through the regular season with kind of whatever as their depth, and then they can solve these problems at the deadline as they see fit. Yeah, and the 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 problem here, I think, is that okay. So right now we don't have an answer on that third line. If it's LOC, honestly, fine. It's a little. It's, it's not like my favorite solution, but I, I'm curious to see what happens with Freddie Olofsson anyway. So fine. I mean, it's fine. The guy was a third liner last year. LOC. I mean, so, okay. You just put more talented players next to him. He, he, he should be fine, but you're, you're taking chances if that, because if that doesn't work uh and Duran doesn't work. I mean, I guess I guess if I'm living in a world where all these things don't work and then everything goes poorly. Right. Yeah, then life is hard and things don't go well and it's an Hey, if everything battle. goes against you, it's probably going to suck. Yeah, like it did last year, man. Exactly. So Dude, don't, don't you wish so bad that Logan I didn't, we've talked about this a billion times so if he had this much more finish to his game. Yeah. He he's like a legitimate middle six guy and we're not having to like tap dance around this. We're not. We're not having like, like more than a million straight. dollars. So yeah, if he had twelve goals each of the last two years instead of eight and nine, we yeah. would be like, "Perf, what's right, the issue right, right. here?" Right. Uh, okay. On that note, we are brought to you by Illegal Pete's. I was talking about doing illegal things earlier in the show. Now you can get some illegal burritos. Delicious, fresh ingredients all day long. The longest happy hour in town, three to eight p.m. That's five hours of margaritas. That you get to go enjoy at Illegal Pete's. Uh, go check them out. Great place to pregame anything you might be doing. Maybe you're uh, you're pregaming the women's World Cup soccer games that are going to be on at the DNVR bar. So you got lots of fun stuff there. Go check out Illegal Pete's today. Get their margs at happy hour. Get their delicious burritos. 11 different locations in Colorado, including one just a couple blocks from the DNVR bar. And... When you do come to the DNVR bar, make sure you're getting your Breckenridge Brewery beer. Eight different kinds on tap here at the bar. Of course, they're available nationwide. You can use the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com to find them at a liquor store near you. Their Mountain Beach Sour is the beer of the summer. 
but uh, I'm not going to lie. I am uh, I am a fan of the OG Strawberry Sky. I think that's my summer beer, to be honest with you. It's just so Perfect. good. What else is there to say? Uh, go check them out. Breckbrew.com. You get their merch stuff, too. They have a beer for everyone. Literally dozens of flavors. Uh, let's hit these Super Chats before we get into the Dev Camp conversation. $2 from Dean, who says, first donation, heart you all so much, listener, since October 21. Thank you very much, Dean. Appreciate it. He also gives another $5 to say, any chance, in your opinion, we trade for Will Nylander or try to get Oscar Sundquist, Alex DeBrincat? We are missing a game-breaker on this team. I just don't see how the abs have the cap space nor the assets to get Nylander or DeBrincat. Also, they have three game-breakers. It, the McKinnon, Rantanen, and McCarr do exist. I was going to say, on, on any given night, you could argue the Abs have like three top 15 players in the league. I think on most nights, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're arguing they don't, that's the harder conversation. <laughs> I, I was going to go top 10, but it depends on how you feel about Miko Rantanen. I, but like, Miko Rantanen had a borderline heart season and, last year. And, and Forget Miko. You drop Miko, and they have two top five players oh, in the oh, league. <laughs> top, top three, depending on the night. I was like, <laughs> Kale McCarr is one of the most electric players on the planet. You can bump him up next to Connor McDavid and 40 nights a year. I'd be like, I'd take Kale. If so, of all things this team needs, another game breaker is probably not. I just I liked yeah. the inclusion of Oscar Sundquist with the Brink yeah. Cat and Will way Nylander, different caliber like, player. Yeah, <laughs> how'd he end up in there? I and I like Oscar Sundquist, even though he's not very good. I've always been a fan of his game. Uh, I, I like players that keep things simple. A player that actually might make a little bit more sense for Colorado Colorado to look at with their current opening. You know. Oh, Oscar Sundquist? Yeah. yeah. Oh, is Oscar Sundquist? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Really yeah. I was like, yeah. go on. Let me just... Yeah, I was I was curious who this player was. <laughs> no, Oscar Sundquist, yeah. I mean, he's as a right wing, he would fit that spot perfectly. And as a guy that wants to go and be physical, he would now fit that line perfectly. So, anyway, let's talk about Dev Camp for a few minutes. Yes, Dev Camp. Uh, day one was today. Most of the players there were on the ice. Unfortunately, the the one that everyone was hoping for and Sean Barron's was not. Uh, Callum Ritchie wasn't either, but we kind of knew that one coming in. It's kind of a disappointment. No Foodie, no Bocage, no Ritchie, and no Barron's. Like, yep. those, are, those were maybe four of the guys that I would have been most excited to see had they been available to see, uh, available to, to skate. Yep. Would have been nice. Standing that this is some of why Barons didn't sign his ELC is he needed to get an injury right and rehabilitate before the season. And so he's just getting himself ready to have a great next year at DU. And then he should be ready to have that conversation more seriously. I know. He was agent. That was such a PR up. Uh, he's excited to be ready for next season and have a great year with the pioneers. Uh, well, nobody we, knows better than the person this, that's talked to no, him the no, most from Abs Media. I ran into him at Ball Arena, and I yelled out to him like, "Is it time yet?" And he said, "No, not yet." So <laughs> he looked at his agent and then was like, "No, not yet." <laughs> we were both like, "Should you tweet that?" Like, <laughs> well, so I, I I learned eventually too. This was a big reason why is he just needed to get right, and so that's why I told people like he has a good reason for this not being the year. Cause I didn't want people to think it was something developmentally that had gone wrong. Like the abs weren't impressed with what they were seeing. It was a very pragmatic reason. Well, so here's the only thing that sucks about that is because the NCAA and the NHL have such a terrible partnership. We don't get to see him. It is a huge like, that's it because right. he's he, not, he, because he's not here this week. See you oh next my year. God. Megan, do you see this? Charles Houdon signed with the Ontario Reign. Did they just That's poach the entirety of the Colorado State? Uh, who they was got... it last year? Oh, it was the, it was the Preds. It was the Milwaukee they... Admirals the Milwaukee did it last year. It, they got rocked by the Eagles again in the postseason and just said, great, we'll take all their players. Oh, my gosh. It's a two-year AHL contract. Charles Houdon couldn't get an NHL deal? I am really surprised. That blows me away. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that was it. Sean Barron's done. 
for now. For the guys on the ice, who led the day for you? You want me to go first? Okay, I'll go first. Nobody wait for me to answer. It's it's Kuyev, right? It has to be. Uh, keep in mind, this is Dev Camp. All they're really doing is drills. Take everything with a huge grain of salt. Yeah. It, this is not real hockey. With that being said, I could watch Kuyev skate all day and be at peace. I thought it was really interesting the first morning session, uh, the first couple sessions before they all came out together. I thought that the the runaway standout, there was one guy in my mind who was way above everybody else, and that was Jeremy Hansel. I thought he, his size really jumped off the ice to me. He was so smooth in his skating. Uh, anytime they gave him a puck to handle, it looked like it went fine. Like There wasn't a lot of that today. Um, his lateral movement, the four-way uh, mobility was 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 on display. He and it just looked really, it just looked smooth, and I really liked that. And then the afternoon, or the the last session started with the entire team, which included Mikhail Guliev. And boy, is there a difference in that kind of skating? Like you're looking at what I thought in terms of Hanselov. I thought he did everything at a really high level. I really liked it. And then Guliev gets on the ice and you just go, water. Yeah. oh, okay. This is like what high-end skating looks like. And it wasn't like I was talking myself into Hansel being there, of course. But Guliev was, he got on the ice and as soon as they started doing drills with him, it's just that kind of electric skating ability that you notice. It's the edge work. It's it's the way that he cuts. It's how sharp everything is, and it's the explosive uh, uh, skating and the you know that acceleration and the everything everything about it. You just get really you're just like, okay, this is what this looks like. All right, that's cool. And it does. And again, like as Rudo said, they didn't play very much real hockey today. Uh, but the things that you did really like when he got put into the couple of defensive situations they put him in, they took away a stick and they basically just said defend a guy without a stick uh, as he comes in on you. And it's, it's all about body positioning and uh, taking away the gap of blah, 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 all that stuff. Right. And it was really, really encouraging. Uh, I thought both Hansel and Gulli have handled that drill um, really, really well. So I'm uh, we'll, we'll probably talk about John Gibson at the end of the week chat, not in today's show. Uh, yeah, I mean, him asking for a trade isn't new news. It's whatever. Um, so I would say I would say those two guys were the guys that I was certainly actually like legitimately excited about today. Megan, anyone you want to add or those two your top as well? I wanted to emphasize Hansel because of his size by comparison, especially impressed me. Yeah. Um, with Guliev too, though, he builds as a little bit more compact. Um the skating absolutely was a standout among all his peers, and I, I want to give him credit for that. And then, as AJ alluded to earlier, his willingness and his reception to feedback was such a positive. Even seeing the way he interacted in the room, Zhigalov was able to help translate with Ab's PR to get him to do some content for them. And he was so agreeable and willing to be in content. He just looked happy to be there, and he was receptive to feedback one-on-one. -on -one. It's unclear how clear it was to him on ice what was expected of him and sometimes you could see in drills maybe a slight bit of reservation or confusion but the skating was still so elite i i think that there's a lot to be excited for, about with guliev and then similarly with hansel the way at which he the, like the level at which he skates for his size is impressive kind of similarly with fairbrother who was a bit of an unknown coming into today seeing him actually skating I felt similarly to a lot more confidences in what I could expect and even just imagining him in an Eagles lineup one day. It made it made the picture a lot clearer to me. Then the other was Colby Ambrosio, who for the same reasons that I liked him at Dev Camp last year, I like him again this year. Um, and he plays just kind of edgy, but he also is a pretty smooth skater, clean edge work, quick um, start and stops. And he, in the drills, especially with other forwards alongside him, seemed to stand out in that way. So 
the thing I liked about Ambrosio today was the polish in an organization that has just gotten rid of a lot of their polish that had been in these dev camps for a while. The Martin Cows, the Shane Bowers is of the world. Yep. Ambrosio was the guy there for me today that was like, ah, he's doing a lot of those little things right. A lot of the small stuff that you have to do right to make it to that next level of hockey. Um, the other guy I would I would shout out there is Sam Malinsky. Um, I thought he looks pretty darn polished as well. Obviously, the skating is fun there. A bit of a weird dev camp this year because you have, on one end of the spectrum, Guyev is an 18-year-old first-round pick. And then on the other end, Sam Malinsky is a 24-year-old undrafted kid. Turning 25 in a yeah. couple of weeks. They had him actually, one, I think, because he's familiar with Eagles drills, like, especially when he was working on the end of the ice with Brandon, they had Malinsky showing players drills. He was the role model to demonstrate them. And it makes so much sense why he would be that guy. But I also think his age and maturity is also why that is. I did I did kind of chuckle at the uh, adjustment that they made with Guliev, where when they started with his group, they started to work a drill. They wanted to use him first, and you could tell he didn't understand yeah. what was being told to no. him. Yeah, and so they were like, "Hey, we're gonna pass you the puck. You pass it back, and then get an idea." Like he played that role for a couple of turns, and then he goes, and then you could see him nod at the coach. Yeah, like I got it, and then he got in line, and for the rest of the day, he was he was like third or fourth in line to do drills, because uh, I think they were just like, "Hey, start it off, start us off, right?" Um. But it was it was funny to see that adjustment where it was like, guys, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't speak English like he doesn't know what what's being said to like, give him a chance here. And then as soon as he did, he started to settle in right away. Yep. Uh, two yeah. more dollars from Dean who says last super chat never been able to y'all the best. Much love, Dean. Appreciate it. Uh, getting into the other guys, I, AJ, do you want to? Uh, express your love for Yon Lashing as your your invitee guy this year? He was a good skater too. Uh he's an electric skater uh for a guy I mean he's only five foot nine, hundred and sixty five pounds, so I'm not I'm not gonna get too excited there, but I I you had to really like that skating. My I mean my forward of the day though was Taylor McCarr. I thought he was the best guy out there for me. Don't disagree. I, and also the jump forward from last year to this year is gigantic. It's big. And, uh, so, the skating and his size, both of them, you're looking at it and you're like, Jesus Christ, do they actually have a power forward prospect on their hands and freaking Taylor McCarr? Did this go from we saved a million dollars on Kale's contract and did a sweetheart thing for a really nice family? And this too, all of a sudden, is this kid going to be a top five avalanche prospect by the time his college career is over? Like, his jump forward is legit. I so just did. Sorry. I, I made I made the joke to you guys. I, I was running around. I'm actually putting together our dev camp day one video right now. That's why I'm not looking at the screen constantly. So I was doing a lot of running around. I didn't catch a lot of what was going on on ice. But AJ, what you just called out about what I noticed with Taylor McCarr was he seemed way more confident. Like I feel like in dev camps past, like it's been like, oh, I'm Kale McCarr's little brother. Like. Yeah, he seemed very confident. He looked bigger. Am I seeing that right? Like, no, has he, looks, he grown? He's bigger for sure. He, he looks like he definitely took that strength program at UMass seriously. I, I mean, dude, like he he looks bigger. I mean, just from like you said, when the first Dev camp he was at, it was like, oh, that was a nice thing for the Avs to do. Like, <laughs> but now, I mean, he looks like a legitimate prospect. And to be honest, it follows the track that he had where he was really slow to develop in the AJHL. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like there was a lot there. And then by the end of it, the Avs were like, look, like he was a, he was a draftable prospect. It's fine. He, All he the other teams after, were like. <laughs> he, he told us after that, it, 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 that his goal is to turn pro. To, to turn pro at some point is yeah. what he's got his sights set on and. Again, even not being able to focus terribly hard on him today, he looks like he's at bare minimum starting to trend in that direction. He really – sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it's a stark contrast from what I remember of his dev camp last year. He's yep. a much better handler. 
like the skating is maybe where I saw more room for improvement last year and still remains like slightly a concern, it's but he better. has to be down low, especially for his size, keeping in to account that he did get bigger, but like in the right ways, not just bigger, clunkier. So I think there's some adjustment that's happening in that way too, but he's working at it hard. He's talking yeah. with Brian Wilsey every week in UMass and breaking down video. And so the line of communication that he has with the Avs staff is so open and constant that I think they have hope to turn him into a pro player. Now, you know, at what level that actually ends up being, of course, yeah. remains to be seen. But I think there's a serious commitment into getting something out of Taylor McCarr. I would also say just because the style of he will would be a power forward prospect. These are also the guys who have the slowest burns because they have the most to figure out in terms of how to be effective, how to use their size. But they also have to become better skaters because a lot of them are clunky skaters that are able to just get away with being more physically mature. That's not been the case with Taylor McCarr where he's had to learn to be a power forward because he was just bigger naturally. And so it was, okay, now I have to put on the weight. Okay, I've put on the weight. Now I have to figure out how to get my skating to a higher level with all this extra weight on. Now so, I've figured out how to skate. Now I have to figure out how to play with a puck. And I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. And I tell you, the shot that he had today in their little 2v2 that they were running, where yeah, he scored, he nasty. picked that top yeah. corner from the angle that it was, because we were sitting right on the angle, and we were like, all right, Taylor McCarr, <laughs> this might not be funny anymore. This this might be a real thing. Well, so, and I apologize, Megan, if you mentioned this when you were talking about, you know, the, the availability after, but uh, Wilsey mentioned exactly what you were just talking about, AJ, that he said he's ahead of the curve in, in terms of role acceptance, that, like, every kid comes into to camp like, oh, well, I'm a goal scorer. It's like, perfect we've got plenty of those what else can you be and that taylor mccarr has really embraced that that i'm going to become a power forward and that's what he's working towards and so he's like he, he used the phrase ahead of the curve in terms of role acceptance yeah and i thought that was interesting because we see that all the time we you know we talk about tyson joseph that a lot tyson <clears throat> joseph had to figure out hey man you're not hands around the net throwing pucks short side anymore you got to figure out how to get below the goal lines play along the wall if you want to make it in the league. Uh, and so I thought that was an, an interesting call out by Brian Wilsey that Taylor McCarr well, understands that and is working Jesse, toward it. You and I have seen the impact that this has in an NHL locker room over the years between guys like Mark Barbario and Curtis McDermott of you totally having guys who are very comfortable in their skin, knowing that they're coming to the rink on any given day. They may not play, but they're going to come and they're going to work. And they're going to yep. get in. They're going to use the time that they have on the ice that day. They're going to work, and they're going to they're going to try to get better. They're going to do everything that they can. They're going to do everything in their power to say, "Hey, coach, play me." And if yeah. it's good enough to get into the next game, then they'll do everything they can in that game to try and play the next one. But they understand who they are. They understand there isn't this like, "Oh, I deserve better." You know, yeah. there isn't like this attitude about it. And Taylor McCarr apparently has that because I've never talked to him. I don't know him. Um, but apparently, Brian Wilsey says he's ahead of the curve and a curve in role acceptance. That's what that means. Yeah. It's a guy that understands he's comfortable in his own skin. He knows it, sometimes it's even more important to know what you're not than what you are. Well, and it seems like McCarr, if McCarr's goal is I'm playing pro hockey, at this point, man, I don't know that I really want to doubt that kid. Because yeah. he has consistently, we're talking like five years in a row, has gotten better everywhere Noticeably. at whatever whatever level he's been at. Two, so two things: one, especially with uh, the brother that he has, like that kid, he has every resource available. That is the best person you can be skating with in the summer. So like he's got that. But I just wanted to go back to what you're talking about. It's really easy to dunk on Curtis McDermott. We were doing it earlier in this show, and I know fans. But what you're talking about, AJ, is part of the reason why I think the abs like keeping him around. On that cup run, he didn't play a minute. He didn't get in a single game on the 2022 Stanley Cup run. That dude was usually the second out for skate after Andrew Cogliano, and he would stay on for over an hour after the team was done. Just Curtis McDermott works his tail off every single day in the gym, on the ice, 
and those are guys the abs like having around. So to your point, seeing Taylor McCarr kind of take to this, uh, I mean, he's going to fit right in with that mentality. Uh, okay. We, we do have to start wrapping up the show a little bit here. Uh, a handful of other prospects and draftees from the Avs were there. Chris, Mo- Chris Romaine was on the ice. Uh, Matt Steinberg. I'm forgetting someone, but I don't know who. Well, Zhigalov was there. Yeah, yeah, that's Ivan Zhigalov was there. Sorry, I couldn't think of any other goalies because Cooper Black is 30 feet tall, and he's Ooh. the only thing that I could see. Uh, look, I don't think there's a ton to take. I thought Romain's skating was super smooth, but again, this is Dev Camp. Don't take any of it too seriously. What will be interesting to see is the game they play Wednesday night. Maybe you could take an inch more from that. Still not a ton, but you'll get some game situations at least there. Is there anything else anyone wanted to touch on from Dev Camp? No? No? I I just real quick, I I know Megan mentioned it earlier, but really glad that Gianni Fairbrother is out there and healthy. Yeah. Uh had a really bad knee injury first week of October last year. We were Rudo and I were doing the timeline and we were like, you know, the fact that he's out there right now is actually pretty impressive given the the nature of the injury. Um because like you look at what Jamal Murray missed for the Nuggets with a similar injury yeah. and 18 months, yeah. Right, and this is half of that and he's out there right now. So, that's a guy uh, you know, I'm not going to get really hyped or anything. I'm just going to say this keep the eyes on him. Keep the keep 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 the uh keep him on the old radar for now. This is for probably, our Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. This is probably the worst time in the show to bring this up, but Wolsey shared a fun anecdote about one of the off-ice team building things that they did. It was this Shark Tank style game where the players got together and they had to come up with some kind of business pitch and it sounded like they actually had to create a product using limited materials available to them and then the sharks that they pitched it to one of them was oza lynch and apparently he like wanted to give all of his money to one of the ideas but wanted 80 percent of the profit and it sounded really <laughs> hilarious callum richie said his group came up with this idea for coasters that float to carry your drink out on the lake. And it just sounds like this is a storyline we should be following this week to hear the rest of these pitches. Uh, Yeah, we should be in the locker room tomorrow asking all the players what their business ideas were. <laughs> it sounded adorable and fun, and we should follow up on this. Sharks, I'm looking for an ELC for 20% of my business. Yeah. <laughs> Can't we... <laughs> Ozlinch wants to keep 80%. What the? F- <laughs> I guess Andre Pavel was a very compelling and confident speaker. I don't know what his pitch was, but there's a lot of homework to do here. <laughs> we'll have to look into it uh, on tomorrow's dev camp for y'all. Uh, keep an eye out for Jesse's video coming out tonight uh, for yeah. day one of dev camp. Should hopefully be done soon. There you go. So maybe in the next couple hours here on YouTube, we will be off on the podcast tomorrow. So just keep that in mind. And we will be going in the evening after the, uh, the scrimmage game on Wednesday. So it'll be Wednesday night. The next time you see our faces, we hope y'all enjoyed the show today. And until the next one, we will talk to you later.